The will weaves as the will wills, and we are just a thread in the pattern. Welcome to Weaves and Will Talk, a weekly review podcast for fans of Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time book series and the Amazon show of the same name. With help from my nerdy friends, we will discuss aspects of fantasy fiction and review episodes of The Wheel of Time show as fans of the franchise. Join us as we explore Randland together. And remember, be steadfast. Welcome to Weaves and Will Talk, a show for fans of the Wheel of Time series by fans of the Wheel of Time series. So, we're talking about magic, and there's no conversation about magic and fiction that you can have without bringing up Brandon Sanderson. Now, for those of you that already know, Brandon Sanderson is the writer that took over the Wheel of Time series after Robert Jordan's passing. But he didn't have to make it up. Jordan left extensive notes and writings to help guide the way. And so Sanderson was able to complete the epic tale and still stay true to everything we loved about it. But what is even more interesting is that it's Sanderson that came up with how we think about magic today, or at least magic and fiction. With his three rules of magic and his spectrum of what type of magic. For example, the spectrum of magic he divides between hard and soft magic types. And pretty much every iteration of fictional magic you can think of from any franchise you can consider falls somewhere on that spectrum. Some closer to the hard end, some closer to the soft end, some of that undefinable, you know, squishy, wishy middle part. But everything can be placed on the spectrum. Now you may ask, okay. What is the hard magic? What is soft magic? Well, let me tell you. Think of it this way. Hard magic is that type of fantasy magic that gives you some rules. It has things that it is governed by. It has cause and effect, and it's reliable. In the alternative, soft magic is that more wishy-washy magic. It doesn't seem to have any specific rules we've been given. It does what it wants when it needs to do something um, and it may not be used as often as hard magic because it doesn't seem to have the same kind of definition it's a plot device to do sex machina save the day kind of thing but that's the basics of hard and soft so let's think about it a little more closely uh, for example Tolkien's Gandalf definitely a soft magic system because we don't know what Gandalf is capable of. What can Gandalf do? Well, there's only one rule. He can do whatever Gandalf wants. We are unable to predict his magical abilities because they just kind of appear uh, without limitation or restrictions whenever the characters are in most desperate need. And this is why Sanderson's 
laws of magic are so important to his hard and soft spectrum. I'm not going to go into detail about all three laws, but I will list them here. But we're only going to talk about the first one. His laws are, number one, the author's ability to resolve conflicts in a satisfying way with magic is directly proportional to how the reader understands magic. Number two, weaknesses are more interesting than powers. And number three, expand, don't add. Now, like I said, we're only going to concern ourselves today with number one. The author's ability to resolve conflicts in a satisfying way with magic is directly proportional to how the reader understands said magic. That's the rule that actually deals with the hard and soft systems. It's looking at that spectrum and applying its ability to solve uh, problems, issues, and obstacle, conquer obstacles in the plot with what type of magic you have. If you have a type of soft magic, then, like I said, it's that deus ex machina use that comes in as a plot device to save the day because it doesn't really have that sense of restrictions and formulate guidelines. On the other hand, at the other end of the spectrum, you have hard magic, and which is very rule-driven, very rule-oriented. It has clear delineations between what magic can and can't do. It has restrictions, limitations. It has consequences. But because of those rules, magic for characters in those stories works like a tool. And it's just like any other tool that they would use to resolve a conflict. It's just how things get done. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. There are many tools in that toolbox, but it tends to be a little bit more satisfying when you're working with hard magic systems. An example of a hard magic system would be almost any superhero you can think of. And yes, they call them, you know, mutant powers or superpowers, but for our purposes as readers and writers and fans, it operates in the same way that magic would. So let's take uh, Superman, for example. While there may be some variation of what Superman's powers are, depending on which media and which era you're reading a story from, but the basics of it remain the same. We know that he has the power of super speed, super strength, super senses, flight, and laser eyes from his alien heritage. However, it has his powers have very specific limitations, and his abilities are given through the radiation he absorbs from Earth's yellow sun. In the presence of kryptonite, those superpowers are nullified. These are the rules for the Superman magic system. So, what makes one system better or worse? Well, that depends. You have to balance the sense of awe and wonder that the soft system can provide versus the more mechanical, rule-driven, but more reliable system of hard magic systems. Like I said, Tolkien, soft system. Harry Potter, somewhere in the middle ground. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, hard system. And it doesn't really matter where you fall, it's just it contributes to what kind of story you're telling. Are you relying on the sense of whimsy and wonder? Then you're going to gravitate closer to the soft end of the spectrum. Are you creating a, a world that is analogous to our current world 
in that way that you know we have consequences there are physical laws that govern our existence so there are also magical laws that governs governs in existence well that will be closer to the hard end of the spectrum and like i said neither is good nor bad but a matter of choice in fact we're going to spend a little time with my friend joe and explore all different types of magic systems what's good what's bad what works what's unique what's different in our interview section coming up next Hello and welcome. We're here with our first episode of Will Talk and as you already know the focus is magic and fiction and I have on with me today good friend Joe. Say hi, say hi Joe. How's it going? So talking about magic and Joe recently you came to us with a brand new series that you were just so enamored with particularly about the magic system. What series was that? Uh, that was I think the Traveler's Gate series right by uh Will White is the author. I don't think I know that one. What's it about? Um, it's it's an interesting one. It's it's about it's about an interesting world where some people are born with. Uh, I'm going to try to not give away too much of the plot, but they're born with an innate ability to access a plane, and uh, these planes are like different dimensions, or in some cases, like proto places of uh, creation, lightning, fire, you know, some elemental type. They do different things with the different places they can access. Uh, one of the more, you know, just kind of out there ones is a bloodline that can access this just massive vault of incredible magic weapons that yeah. nobody else can get. There. You have to be born with this ability to get there. But all the ability does is allow you to kind of transport or teleport or shift planes. Correct. Huh. But uh, not to give too much away, but it turns out there is one of these places that you can access. Uh, straight training and that's kind of what our hero does is it uh, it's actually the house of battle yeah see that's what i was about to ask you i'm like wow a, a magic system with absolutely no uh way to get in in a scholarly kind of you know training kind of way no montages will get you there oh absolutely <laughs> there are there are uh, planes of knowledge planes of learning uh one of them is like a plane of uh it's almost a paradise of, of mythical creatures, all kinds of interesting things. And uh, he does some really cool things with it tactically when they have battle that is utilized. Mm, battle magic. We don't never see enough of that. Because I remember yeah. just now, whoa, what was, which Harry Potter was that where they actually finally had a true on wand fight? Oh, that was so far in. That was what, six, seven? Yeah, something like it. I just remember everybody was just kind of just bug eyed watching it because we finally got the equivalent of like a lightsaber fight with magic yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it was finally something worth seeing fight wise in there exactly in <laughs> exactly which brings a question though how important is the system of magic to the story you're watching like well if, if the magic's not good will you stop reading or watching the movie or show not necessarily I kind of look at it more as a uh, as a set of rules. Mm. If if you if you throw out a set of rules and then don't stick to them, 
I might stop reading because then it starts to get a little bit, you know, hard to follow. Mm. But if you kind of work within your rules or you give me a very good story reason to go outside them, you know, mm. oftentimes that can be very compelling. So how do you feel about what I call the, the rule breakers like uh, the Gandalfs of the world that don't appear to have any magical rules whatsoever? Which means they can't break them, but they also don't have any limitations. You just, what kind of magic can Gandalf do? Whatever Gandalf wants. But yeah, we didn't see him do a whole time either. Well, exactly, but that, to me that always brought up questions of, well, why didn't he just show up and save the day? Because apparently he can do anything. Or at least why didn't he fly from the Shire the Mordor on the giant eagle? Exactly. Like, why do we need three books? He could have handled it in like two chapters. Exactly. <laughs> I guess the story couldn't happen then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the plot had to happen. But yeah, I know I personally don't care for those. And I didn't know what they were called until uh, I started researching The Wheel of Time, actually, and found out about Sanderson and his rules of magic. Had you heard those? I had not heard that was a thing of his, no. But yeah. I've, I've read a couple of his series that have had vastly different yeah. Well, apparently, and I, I could be getting this wrong, but this is what I took from my cursory study of, of him and his system the whole thing with hard and soft magic systems and i had heard those terms before were actually his creation he sat down yeah he sat down and kind of looked at how magic is handled in all these different you know media and stories and i guess noticed patterns or lack of patterns in some cases and divided them into two groups, hard magic and soft magic. And hard magic is basically the stuff that we know the rules to. It's very clear cut. If you do this, then this happens. And all the way to soft magic, which is the Gandalf of the world, where we just don't know what's happening. It's just plot devices. Right. Yeah, you know. He even came up with three laws. Don't ask me to recite them because I do not recall them. I have to look them up. But they're basically like the Newtonian laws of physics that guide... Story, magic stories, uh, magic in stories and for their creation. But I do remember the first one had to do with m how magic is used to solve problems. That's a big important thing. Like, yeah, I haven't read into that. Yeah, it's actually really kind of cool. He's done lectures at it at whatever university he's a professor at somewhere. Right. You know, but the YouTube video was like two hours, so I did watch it. <laughs> uh, his, uh, his Mistborn series. No, but I've read like reviews and like seen some of the forums for it, and there seems to be a passionate following, so I'm interested, but I know nothing about it. It, it has a very unique magic system, and, and that's something that uh, that I'd like to see how he kind of relates to his rules on, because it's based around uh, certain you know people born with an ability to eat metals and then digest them, burn them to grant certain abilities and powers. So I eat some steel and end up with a certain power. Oh yeah, you you eat lead and it does a certain thing or gold. I don't remember exactly you know, which metals. I don't have it in front of me, but there were a couple that were made up. But for the most part, they were all real metals, and you could burn one or two of them. I think it was, but only a select few could burn them all. Otherwise, nothing would happen. So it's what they kind of built it into. It was very very weird. Yeah. Out there. Very. very. <laughs> Very, very, but I can't think of anything else uh, similar to it that I've ever heard of, so points for originality. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Huh. <clears throat> Jim Butcher, I also give a lot of points for originality. And what's his system like? Uh, well, he's got a couple of them. Uh, the two that come to mind, the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a little bit more 
textbook wizardry. Mm-hmm. But he puts a more modern spin on it and kind of actually makes it a bit more sciencey, right? Dresden will use things like coffee in his potions, but he can explain why, you know, what we're really after is this chemical that's in the coffee that will react with this other chemical, and that's where the magic really happens. Now, is Dresden also the one, once again, it's on my reading list, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Is that the one that also, like, any spell casting or incantation is really more of just a focus and, you know, something that symbolizes it? Okay. Yes, and he he kind of makes up his own magic word. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, I remember hearing about this. That was one of the things that put it on my um, reading list, actually. <laughs> Another one I would put on there, in fact, possibly even higher than the Dresden series. Codex That's actually next on the reading list when I finished uh, The Last Will of Time. That is a very, very good series. His his take on magic in there is, is really cool. And it's uh, that, that whole series actually came about as a bet, I believe it was. Really? A writing challenge or something similar where he had to take two unrelated ideas and work a story out of it. And uh, the two unrelated ideas were Pokemon and the Lost Roman Legion. <laughs> It doesn't get any two more separate ideas than that. <laughs> he puts some pretty amazing stuff together with that. And uh, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> Especially since uh, kind of the the real twist on it is everybody in this in his world there is born with the ability to talk to and interact with some kind of a spirit. And it's like an elemental type thing. There's rock ones, fire ones, and so on and so forth. Except for our main character, who is the, apparently the only guy anywhere that doesn't have one. Mm. Which gives it a different twist, because everybody's powerful except him. He mm. doesn't get a Pikachu, if you will, right? <laughs> Everyone should have a Pikachu. He doesn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like similar to a, a book I read maybe a year ago, uh, Children of Blood and Bone. And as far as I know, it's not a series, it's a standalone. But that whole premise is... The, the ones that can actually do magic are all born with white hair. So you know them immediately um, as soon as they're brought into the world. But And they were living side by side with you know the rest of society just fine until, I don't remember the details, but something happened with the king. Either a group of them took out a prior king or made an attempt on the present king and failed. But whatever it was, uh, both ticked off and frightened the royalty enough that he basically committed genocide to any adult with white hair. And so now you have a generation of children that either saw the culling when they were very young or don't know any other life other than being suspect and not kind of wanting to grow up. Because then you become a threat once you're an adult because they're not going to kill a kid. But you've already been marked. And so that's where the whole, you know, you pick up in the society and their uh, magic was elemental. Depending on, uh, once you they, they start learning the talent, they learn what element they're best at manipulating. And they have the basic elements, but they also include things like, you know, animals and death as some of the options. And you and you might be able to work a few, uh, you know, some spell work in all of them, but you really have a major one that's your specialty. And you don't get to choose it. It's just kind of like your personality. It's chosen for you. That one was really cool. That's not dissimilar to another series that I'm currently reading by uh, by the same guy that wrote Traveler's Gate, Will White. Um, the Cradle series, which uh, its 10th book is dropping, I want to say the beginning of next month. The magic system in that one is, is kind of similar. Everybody's born with a particular talent that, that marks them, and they wear a medallion that, that says, this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. But it's all based around martial arts. 
it's pretty wild. Like based on it the same way that like Avatar: The Last Airbender is based on it, or very similar, very okay. similar, yes. But they 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 base it around um, everyone having a core and channels that they channel all their their energy through, right? Mm -hmm. And our our hero is born with with kind of without one. His is his wimpy. He doesn't have any power. Not to not you know to speak of. Right. The rest of his family is kind of well known, and it's. He's really shunned. It's a whole thing. And he, he goes to grow beyond that, of course. And that's, that's sort of where the story comes. But he's also telling another story from a much higher plane of existence of some kind that we've yet to really grasp. And that's kind of what's keeping me coming back because he's telling some interesting Eastern-style, almost anime-ish <laughs> story with, with the majority of the main characters with this overlay of this really deep science fiction going on. Mm. And it's just kind of neat how he's meshing those up. Oh, and before I forget, uh, the children of Blood and Bone, that's Tomi Adeyemi. I want to throw out that shot out. That's her yeah. book, and it's wonderful. That sounds good. I mean, I put that on my list. Yeah, it was one of those ones that you were looking at, and you're like, this doesn't seem like my style, and then you tear through it before you even know what happened. It was oh. one of those. <laughs> Love those. But I tell you, the I think the earliest magic system I probably started thinking about was the kind, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, the typical wizard or whatever with the basic potion spells and uh, wand casting. And then kind of cemented when I started playing World of Warcraft, you know, with the same basic mana system operating that right. uh, thing. And then I discovered, I'm looking for the name of the book now because a friend of mine turned me on to it. Uh... Da -da 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 -da. Dakota Kraut's uh, Dungeon series, and each one's a little different. There's like Dungeon Born is the first one, but there's like Dungeon Madness and Dungeon something else. But it's all, it's almost like everything you expect from a fantasy Dungeons and Dragons-esque, World of Warcraft-esque magic world, but as if it were kind of real, which means all the shininess and all the power and affluence and coolness is taken off because they're just people. Walking into dungeons, trying very hard not to die. <laughs> and so, I mean, but it's the exact same thing, but it seems so much more practical when, you know, you have your healer who's following behind you heal somebody, and then someone else gets, you know, seriously injured. And they're like, come on, Paul, go ahead and heal. He's like, I, I can't, because his mana's depleted or whatever. And then everybody's like, what do you mean you can't? You, you're not going to, because you're tired? Dude's got a kidney sitting outside his body. You know, and they talk like that too, including beating each other up or training in the snow just because the guy didn't know any better, so they're just hazing him. <laughs> and, and and this story is set with a sentient dungeon. <laughs> the dungeon, for some reason that you'll have to find out later, because I don't want to spoil that, is born with a sentience, and so he is aware he is a dungeon and what his role is as a dungeon to adventurers. And so it's his task to become a bigger, badder, dangerous dungeon. But not necessarily kill everybody, because then no one will come back. And you want people to come back to your dungeon. <laughs> so you just watch him scale up and plan ways to kill them, or just slightly maim them. While you also hear them trying to practice and, you know, take on this dungeon that they don't know is thinking about ways to kill them. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. And it is hilarious. Because it's definitely not taking itself too seriously. The Martian is a great one. Mm, now that one I know. <laughs> it does not take itself too seriously. That was just a great book. Mm-hmm.
I mean, no, I mean, cause to some extent, magic is ridiculous. I mean, on the far end of it. Sure. You know, but then you have that those types of books or movies that try to sciency it, and I don't know how I feel about those. It depends on how far they try to take it. I mean, my example of that's kind of like steampunk. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're if we're classifying that as a type of magic, that's kind of both. It all, it all depends on how well they think it through at the end of the day. Okay, so with that qualified answer, where do you fall on the Star Wars midichlorian argument? Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> what is it you don't like about it? I think you're with the majority on that. <laughs> what particularly, though, irks you about it? Just the fact that there are apparently some kind of tiny beings that are the Force or whatever they were trying to do there, but they never mentioned that before again or since. Well, or since does bother me. The before, not so much, because there was a lot they had to kind of retcon, you know, because of the the first three were technically the later three. <laughs> so you start a book in the middle of the story, you know, and then wait 20 years. You're going to have to change some stuff. Never again, even in the one movie. Yeah, that's what I said. Now, the a- after it was first mentioned, that it never came up again, I do take issue with. You know? Yeah, I almost if, feel like it was a filler line. <laughs> Yeah, like someone was maybe on George to explain it, and so he was like, well, tiny beings inside your blood, boom, to yeah. satisfy, you know. I, I don't know. I think I'm like you. It just feels like a cop-out because it's such a thrown-in piece of information with no further background. I guess, like you said, how well it's blended in matters. Yeah, and it makes the whole will of the force thing kind of strange, right? Like, so what's the will of the force, the, the thinking of these germs well supposedly i will clear this up i'm not saying it helps his argument but i will clear this up the midichlorians allow the person with the higher count to access the force they don't produce it they're they're the conduit they're the bridge and the more you have the the stronger that connection the more powerful you can become but technically everybody has it it's just it's so low in numbers that you can't you know transmit and receive from the force like i said i don't think that helps the argument but technically that's their service yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Because I know some of the uh, Star Wars EU n- no longer canon uh, novels dealt with the destruction of midichlorians and what that means. Because supposedly, uh, I'm not sure if this was ever given in canon in the movies, but like I said, in the European books, it was somewhat canon that midichlorians couldn't be destroyed. You know, the count you had is the count you always had to the day you died. So you wouldn't lose them in a blood transfusion or wound, and you couldn't go in and do it, um, add more to it by mixing blood. And some scientists actually learned how to do kill individual midichlorians, thus weakening your connection to the force to the point that you were a force null. But technically not canon, so. Eh. That's good. I don't want that when it was just completely ambiguous and a loose set of things that we know they can do. Yeah, the ultimate soft magic system. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I liked it far better in the original three movies than I did in, in episode one when they suddenly had uh, super speed. Right? Uh-huh. Like that at the beginning there, just they were zipping around for some reason. They, uh, they, oh, they, I guess they didn't have to breathe when they gasped. Them. Well, they could hold their breath longer, that's all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make that clear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know when they went underwater, they had to use the breathers. Well, what I don't understand is one, one 
big thing is why did they get on separate ships? <laughs> why go down to the planet at all? Trying to deal with these trade federation guys. A question that many of the internet has asked and not received a, a sufficient answer yet. Really? <laughs> yeah. That is. There are so many tactical errors, in particularly the Phantom Menace, but across the prequels entirely. There's a guy out there, guy. I wish I remembered your name, but he did a video of how Phantom Menace should have gone, and I think he did something like 56 minor tweaks. But those minor tweaks was like acupuncture. It would have changed the entire story and made it such a better movie. And he did that for all three of the prequels. Just tiny little, little bitty changes. Nothing grand. And it changes everything. I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. Like he was a surgeon. I was an envy of that guy. <laughs> yeah, being able to pick a story apart like that and fix the flaws. Yeah, especially one with such a creative backstory. Because I'll give this to George. He has a wonderful galaxy to play in. He does. Yeah. My question is storytelling. But his world building, I don't. <laughs> they're keeping themselves too limited, honestly. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I still don't know what a Bothan is, but I know a ton of them died to get the Death Star plan. I think the Bothans. I think they're the three eyed Cowans, I think. Are they? I think so. Don't hold me to that, but that's what came to mind when you said it. Yeah. For any, you know, people listening, they're like, that's so stupid, that's wrong. You can. Send me a the write a comment or I'll look it up after the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel free. Searching that. Okay, yeah, that's. I'm not sure what. That, I don't think I've seen one of those. Is it the three eyed cow? No. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what you call that. <laughs> kind of looks like a deer crossed with a lion, maybe. A uh, deer lion, of course. I'm familiar with that species of alien. Yeah, maybe like Beauty and the Beast's younger cousin. Oh, yeah, I just looked it up too. Okay, yeah. I was thinking, not even Beauty and the Beast, more like, well, I guess it was called Beauty and the Beast, but that old show from the, what, I think, the 80s? Yeah, Ron Perlman, that's the Yeah, one. yeah, that's yeah. what he looks like. It's like it's almost... Like the... his younger cousin, the hamster, he's not quite a beast yet. <laughs> he's got to earn it, you got to grow up a little, get your roar down. And so you said what, we lost several Bothans to get the Death Star plans? Yeah. Well, I heard in the movie. Oh, uh, well. Uh, I'm so sorry to the Bothan species. We apologize and thank you for your sacrifice. Whatever that may have been. <laughs> well, we never... There wasn't any movie about it. Of course, we never talk about how many innocent, like, you know, maintenance workers died in the Death Star's destruction. Oh, they had to be a few of them, at least. Yeah, just... Dude was just there because he's the janitor for the first through seventh levels. That's his job. I don't understand why they don't put handrails on any of their walls. <laughs> Ever. Or why you have to have, like, rotating laser doors to get to your power center. They could put force fields around these walkways. <laughs> no, they just have them open and close at random intervals to see if you fall. <laughs> Pretty well done. <laughs> really didn't think it through. Or did they? Maybe the people that designed that are the same people that design like starships that have these complicated gauntlets to get anywhere on the ship of importance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the crushers come out of the sides of the wall. Exactly. Maybe that's the same like company or firm that went to for all the designs. <laughs> Here's the 
giant saw blade section of the engine bay. Exactly. Anyway, that makes perfect sense. Now, who's the junior officer again? You go get the. You get to go first. Well, we had all those red shirts, right? <laughs> I almost bought a red shirt that just said, "Yes, this is a red shirt." I, that's why I didn't buy it. <laughs> Talk about superstition. There's your magic right there in the real world. Yeah, that's like using crutches when you don't have to, right? Oh, I never heard of that, but yeah, that would be. Who would volunteer to use crutches? I don't like to use them when I need them. <laughs> but we digress. Magic. So looking at all the the ones we've named the different types what would be if you had to pick one what type of magic system or whose magic system either one do you think is your favorite hmm. currently i'm going to give that to, to will white i like his cradles his cradle series i like his traveler's gate series and uh, i like what he's doing with those i hope he actually expands the traveler's gate universe a bit hmm okay and focused on Cradle, but I would love to see him expand what he did there with, with those characters and those particular magic sets. I think that was really interesting. I've been thinking about this myself, and I keep coming to two, and I can't decide which one for different reasons. So I'll give them both as my answer. I really like uh, Avatar's system, because I like the, the Zen quality and tied to the elements quality of working with that and I've, the martial arts of course is cool until you do a movie of it and then it loses all coolness whatsoever that wasn't a movie that was a mistake yeah that's still just Arr! but uh but i like the concept of it you know the cartoons interpretation of it for certain but on the other hand getting to you know our name of our series i actually like the wheel of times magic in the sense that i don't remember ever coming across another system where if I do magical thing X to you, you can't just, you could just block it or you might counter it in some way. But if it's already there and happening, you could literally undo it like you untie a shoelace. Yeah, I always did find that interesting. Yeah, like you can peel magic or layer magic in that way. That yeah. seems very interesting. Yes, and the term weaving. Literally. Really, really lent a lot to the... To the the thought process there of what you were really doing and laying those threads of different things in there to get that desired effect. I wonder if uh, for Jordan that was the name came first and then the concept or the concept and then followed the name. Good question. Yeah. But yes, I've never seen woven magics before and that allows for a whole realm of possibility that the book does explore to some extent and that I could come up with on my own. Huh. Indeed. And that's not the only place I've actually seen or heard that, too. Um, the Discovery of Witches uses something kind of similar to that. And I think they do call it weaving. Okay, I started that show, and I hung in there for at least a couple of episodes. And I don't know what it was, but it just didn't feel like it was... It kept feeling like it was hinting at something awesome is about to be revealed, and this is going to pick up. And then it didn't. And I got tired of waiting. Are you telling me I should go back? <laughs> I can't say. I've actually never seen it. That was, uh, that was a recommendation of the, the peanut gallery. Oh. Well, if the, if, let me know if the peanut gallery thinks I should return to it. Should I give it a second chance? Because I tried, because it looked so interesting. It sold a lot more than the, than the show did. I, I don't know if you're talking about the show or not. It didn't do, do it justice. And, and I, 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 I,
when I read the books, I understood it a lot more. Yeah. Well, see, that's a plus right there because originally I didn't know it was based on a series of books. I just saw the advertisement and it just it looked interesting. Oh no, yes, the books are very much more detailed. Definitely um, read that first. When I first came across the series, I decided to. I didn't want to wait for the next next one, and then I looked it up, and it was based off the books. So I got all three before the next season came out, and then when I watched the next season, <laughs> I, I was just flabbergasted about all the stuff that was missing. Mm. Now, uh, yeah, read the book. Yeah, I'm guessing the stuff was that was missing was called plot because I did not feel a, I got a lot of it, <laughs> or at least not soon enough. So yes, I will add those books to my ever-expanding I will get to and read list. Considering how much you said you liked Avatar's magic system, definitely give Cradle a look. Cradle, okay. Yeah, the, the tenth book's dropping soon, but it's if I had to, I would liken that to the Avatar system, in fact, except that you sort of almost get to choose your element. It's not inherently born into you. The ability might be, mm -hmm. your strength level could be influenced, but what you do and how you do it is not. And he's done an interesting job of creating different clans and continents and countries that all have different sacred beasts, you know, such as you know, the Chinese-style dragons running loose. They're, they play a part. It's a very, very Eastern-style fantasy world he's got going on there. And he's kind of laid the groundwork for almost infinite possibilities as far as, you know, the types of things they can do and what they're based on. Really impressive. Yeah, even as you were describing it then, what was coming to mind was in uh, my Kung Fu school style that I learned, Lung Shao Pai, the way we're brought up in the system is you'll learn all the animal forms. So everyone, you know, kind of has access to all the different types of power at a very minimal, low foundational level. But once you get to certain levels of black belt, you get to choose your specialty. Are you a dragon? Are you a leopard? Are you a tiger? Are you a snake? And so that's what it sounded like almost the system you were describing. Very similar, yes. Once you once you reach a certain phase in your progression, and, and it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit, a uh, little bit insane with, with what happens when they when they progress levels um, to the point where they can remake their body. It gets stronger, and they choose, you know, a path to go down to get a particular body that best suits the fighting style they tend to to lean toward and things like that. There is a ton that goes. Into it. Mm, that does sound right up my alley. It's super intriguing. Super intriguing. There's some great characters in there. And ten, on the tenth book, you say? <laughs> yes, yes. And honestly, oh. I, I, they're not very long. And, oh, so they're not going to wheel a time me? I mean, I love the no, series, no, but dang. All, all. They're, they're, <laughs> they are getting a little lengthier, though. Yeah. And, um, I want to say Will White is, is a, a, an up and coming author. Okay. And I think this is one of his better, better productions. Always there for the newbies. Definitely, he might move up the list just because he's up and coming. Yeah, and I think he's. I don't think he's. You know, down the list or anything. That. Not that I follow the hierarchy of authors in the New York Times bestseller list or anything like that. You know, I'm in no means a, a book reviewer, but I've not heard of him mentioned by a lot of people, and a lot of people I talk to don't know about him. So I've been trying to kind of spread the word just so I have somebody to talk to. About it. <laughs> well, see, because of that request, it bumps up a little higher on my list. <laughs> I, think I think you'll really, really like it. Actually. One of the uh, one of the main characters has an interesting. They have, they call them bloodborne abilities. Have them in certain like nobility bloodlines. They might be passed down to everybody there, and not only that, but refined 
because they keep strengthening and passing it down, strengthening his his ability is awareness. And he, no matter where he's at, he can basically hear you, see you, smell you, knows what you're doing, where you're going, who you're talking to. It's just impressive what he does. Like anyone that he's aware of? Anyone within like a, a huge vicinity of him. Tiny little Hemdal. You can just see. Yeah, so they use these little, uh, well, they're not little, they use these things called cloud ships that actually float on a cloud and they're sort of a castle, or at least the one we're introduced to is, is a castle. They come in a million different shapes, sizes. Like I said, it's a very fantastic world he's got there. The visuals <laughs> that he that he comes up with, and, or at least that I come up with, are you know very detailed and colorful. But <clears throat> if you're within, say, half a mile of this guy and he knows you, mm-hmm. he can just know what you're doing. That's crazy. Yeah, and it takes him four or five books to actually admit that. So you're sort of left wondering why he always seems to know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) And why I imagine he will stay single for a very long time. Oh, yes. He's got plans. (laughs) I'm just just saying it's so easy to invade your partner's space. (laughs) Just just to give another example, one of the other main characters, her, her specialization is swords and the energy specifically produced by swords and sharp objects in general Mm. she can draw power from bladed edges and then redirect that power it's very interesting it's very interesting yeah once again something that's completely original as you say it yeah well this has been fun and, I agree. I've, been, I've much enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't get to nerd talk the way I, I always want, so this is awesome. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Good to get it out there. Well, thank you for joining us, Joe, or joining me and the audience. So that's still an us. I'm claiming it. Thank you for yeah. joining us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Join us next week for more Weaves and Will Talk. And please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. May you find shade, my friends.